So good evening, everyone. It's lacquer to see all of your faces. Uh, my name is Godfrey Magal, for those who do not know me. And I am one of the elders here at Georgetown Stelis PM. Um, and I am married, I don't see her right now, but I'm married to that gorgeous woman who is in the baby's uh, baby room over there. Um, her name is Wutumelo. Um, and I get to father just a beautiful, beautiful little boy with her. And it's just the most incredible joy of our lives. Just to have this cute face in the middle of the night, you know, at like midnight. <laughs> You know, I told him the other day that, man, if you were not cute, it would have been a, a real struggle for me to change nappies, you know. But because he's handsome, that, that changes the game, eh? It changes the game. Um, so I'm going to speak tonight. I'm going to just uh, uh, jump straight into it. I'm going to speak about the supremacy of Christ. Um, the supremacy of Christ. And I'm hoping that I'm going to do the title justice, but I just want to say from the forefront that if I don't do the title justice, uh, please just uh, listen to Nico's message of last week. He preached a beautiful, beautiful message. So tonight, if it tanks and it sucks, just go listen to that message and you'll feel a whole lot, a whole lot better. So the supremacy of Christ. And I'm, I'm hoping tonight that our hearts will just be gripped. And I was so encouraged, actually, when I looked at the, the words that we were singing tonight in worship, how Christ was all over the place. Him, you know, having the glory and Him being exalted and Him being preeminent was, was actually the evident thing in tonight. And, and, I mean, the worship team didn't even know what I was going to preach about. Uh, so it was really just for me an encouragement to see that the Lord is in this place and He is doing something. Um, and I'm just uh, super, super excited to partner with him in that. I want to start by just uh, um, giving a, a word or just a, a, a verse that I feel like, you know, it's going to help us tonight in what I, what I feel the Lord wants to do in all of us tonight with, with his word. And it's found in 2 Corinthians 3. It's not on the board. 2 Corinthians 3. Verse 18, it says, And we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. And if I go back to verse 17, it says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And I'm hoping tonight that freedom will just step into the house as we behold the person of Jesus. And I specifically felt as we were praying for people who are struggling with anxiety and just different things, I felt like there are people here tonight that are struggling with stuff and, and, and even things that cause shame, things that you sometimes even don't want to uh, tell people or, or things that you've struggled with for a long, long, long time. And even tonight, I, I really felt the despondency in your heart to say, man, am I really going to pray for this freedom again? Am I really going to pray for this thing again? But I felt just an encouragement in the Lord, just like it says that we are all being transformed from one degree of glory to another. I felt the Lord saying that for some of us, it's an instant thing, the anxiety flees. For some of us, it's an instant thing that we find healing and restoration. But for some of us, I felt the Lord specifically saying it's from one degree to another degree. So it's not going to be 100% work today, but I, I want to encourage you that the Lord is busy in your life. He's busy shifting something. He's busy doing a work. Even if your body doesn't feel like he's doing a work, even if your circumstances doesn't feel like he's doing a work, I want to encourage you tonight that the Lord is doing a work one degree at a time, and I hope that encourages you tonight. So as I just jump into this thing, I want to look at uh, just one chapter, so I'm going to make the job very easy for us. I'm going to look at Colossians 2, 
And what I'm going to do tonight is I'm just going to take a couple of verses in this uh, chapter. It's a very rich chapter. It's a chapter that is filled with a lot of goodness. Um, and we know that as Paul is writing, he's writing to a specific church in uh, Colossae, uh, which is close to Laodicea. Uh, and in chapter 2, he's specifically writing to Laodicea. And this Laodicea was a city, basically, that was a business city, kind of like Stellenbosch. It was a place where different people flocked from all different places to come and do business, to come and do trade, because it was on some of the highways on your way to and from Ephesus. So it was a place that was pumping. It was a place where different cultures would come and would flock to. It was a place that was busy. It was a place where there was a lot of innovation and a lot of ideas and a lot of businesses. So it was a, it was a, it was a great place in a sense. Uh, but I, I want to look into this tonight. As we just look in this specific verse, I feel like there's a lot of what Paul was saying to this specific church that he wants to say to us tonight. I feel like there's a, a couple of things that the Lord would want to highlight for us that we need to be attentive to in this season that we are living in. That These words were written thousands of years ago, but I felt like there's something of just a, an applicability for us today. I think sometimes we read the Word of God, and as we read it, we think to ourselves, like, is these things still, or are these things still relevant? And I hope tonight that as we look into these verses, that we will see these things are indeed relevant. So as we read from Colossians 2, from verse 1. So Colossians 2, verse 1 to 4, I'm going to start there. So it says, I want you to know how hard I am contending for you and for those at Laodicea. And for all who have not met me personally, my goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge." I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. Paul says, I tell you these things because I don't want any one of you to be deceived by any clever or smart or any fine-sounding arguments. So the first thing that I want to speak about is Christ's wisdom versus the world's wisdom. Christ's wisdom versus the wisdom of man. So we see here, as I said, that this city was a city that was filled with all sorts of riches. And because people had riches and they had power and they had control and there was innovation, there was a lot of ideas with people flocking from all different sides, there were certain things that started creeping into the church, certain ideologies and certain doctrines and certain, certain teachings that people started uh, just welcome. Into, into the church, and Paul specifically, I mean, I love, it says that I'm writing this letter, and I know that some of you, I have never met you personally. Paul says, I have never met you personally, because he's in prison while he's writing this letter. He says, even though I haven't met you, my love for you is so deep that I don't want any one of you to be lost because of smart-sounding arguments that are doing the rounds around the city. And I think if you and I can be honest with us today, I would say that in Stellenbosch, in this world that we're living in, in this day and season, there are ideologies that are doing their rounds. There are things that we as the church even has welcomed into our midst and ideologies that we have, uh, that we have embraced that are actually 
opposes the scriptures, that actually opposes the person of Jesus. There is a, a danger that, that, that there's, there's many, in many ways, there's ways where we've clung to the wisdom of this world and we've, in a sense, made cross wisdom secondhand thing. You know, and maybe just as we start this, just think to yourself, when you go to YouTube, what do you listen to? When you listen to a podcast just on a normal day, what do you listen to? When you're idle and don't have anything to do, what do you read? What do you feed your eyes with? And it's all these things that, that, that the enemy sometimes uses to infiltrate the wisdom of God in us. But Paul here says, I want you to be a people that clings or that clings to God's wisdom rather than the wisdom of the world. Let me just briefly name the three very contentious just things that are climbing into the church right now. I'm not going to spend any time on these things. I'm not going to try to extrapolate it or try to um, expose it or anything like that. But I just want to make us aware of certain doctrines that we need to be aware of. The first thing is the social gospel. I think we all know that there's many, many, many people out here you know, who sometimes work outside of the church. And I want to be very careful as I address this thing. Okay, There are many, many people that says, you know what, this whole church thing... Uh, the church is not as passionate about my, uh, my thing that I feel upon my heart, whether it's a poor, whether it's, you know, a children, whether it's education, whatever it is. And people say, because there is no space within the church for these things, I am rather going to start my own thing outside, and I'm going to preach the gospel to people outside, and I'm going to feed people outside, I'm going to do stuff, you know, outside of the church, because the church doesn't have the same burden that I have. And I want to say that there is nothing with having a, a, a heart or a mercy heart. There is nothing wrong with wanting to help people. But here's the thing. Many, many times I've worked in the last 10 years in the NGO space. And many, many, many times I've seen how people who've started well and intended well to start a project or a feeding scheme or whatnot. It started with the intention that we want to bring Christ to people. We want to make disciples of all nations. But gradually that thing shifts to a place of now we're focusing more on people's physical need than actually their spiritual need. I want to say people need more of Christ and sometimes even less of the physical stuff. So I've seen how sometimes, you know, we, we just shift this thing and it starts well, but as it goes, I have seen that Christ then becomes a second thing. It starts becoming about this project and this need that we're trying to like fill and Christ is actually not being exalted in that. The second thing that I want to highlight is, I think we've all seen, it's a very big story in February, the Church of England. I'm going to speak specifically here, and, and I want to speak with a lot of sensitivity, but the LGBTQ agenda. We'll see, I know it's a contentious thing, but we see the Church of England recently in February, they embraced same-sex marriages in, in the church. And I think even our own, and, and I, I don't want to name churches because I want to defame them or want to make them bad or anything like that. But I feel as elders, as ones who God has actually called us to protect our sheep, I think, I think it's fair for us to, to, to name these things. It's not to say Josh Jen is better or elevate ourselves. Or we, we're not a perfect church by far. But I think if we see something dangerous, we need to, to show people that there's something dangerous. You know, so that's the second thing. The third thing is church leadership. 
So nowadays, as you look at some churches, and because of what's happening outside of the church, because of the different agendas of the UN, the different agendas of all sorts of institutions outside of the church, or even the government, that the, that the church is under so much pressure that they want to adopt some of the agendas that are outside of the church. So we're seeing in the, in the wokeness of wanting to empower women, and I'm all for that because we see a Jesus that actually praises women. We see a Jesus that actually honors women, but, but because of these agendas that's happening in this world, we sometimes find ourselves in a space that we're pushing agendas of woman empowerment in, in a very unhealthy way, even within the church. So much so that we would even elect women elders, which we don't find a qualification for in the scriptures. I know it's a contentious thing, and I, I really pray that as we just uh, uh, hear these words tonight, that God will himself, the Spirit himself, will come and settle our hearts. So we need to cling to Christ's wisdom and not the wisdom of this world. So the second thing that I want to touch on is Christ's authority versus the authority of man. Christ's authority versus the authority of man. And in verse 8 to 10, in the same Colossians 2, we read, Paul says, See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world, rather than on Christ. Then he says, For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ, you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. So Christ is the one that holds the authority of our lives. And Paul here writes to this church and he says, I am seeing something that there is a, a gradual shift on the way that you view Christ's authority. You are moving to a place of actually not, not putting Christ at the rightful place that he needs to be. That Christ is not seated at the throne that he needs to sit. And there's other things creeping in, other authorities that are creeping in. You're putting weight to other voices other than the voice of of Christ. And when I read that, I must say that there, there was something in my heart as I reflect on this, because I, I hope that we, that we understand that when we preach these things from here, it first cuts here. It really first cuts here. Any preacher that preaches something that is only meant for the congregation, I want to say it's a dangerous preacher. It's a dangerous preacher. So it first cuts here. So I had to look at my life and say, where am I putting the authority of man above the authority of Christ? And uh, with that, I want to share a story that happens very, uh, very recently, actually. So in our culture, um, I'm Kosa. Um, and I think for those who are Kosa in here and, and even Zulu um, and, and just uh, you know, close by culture, you would, you would know that in our cultures, we place quite a big weight of authority on ancestors. We place quite a big weight on our elders. We place quite a big weight on our traditions and our cultures and what has been done before we came. And sometimes so much so that we negated the authority of Christ above our cultures. And here's a story of what happened recently just with my wife and I. 
So as I said that about six months ago, we welcomed a beautiful son into the world. And when we welcomed him, we knew that there was going to be a fight for his life spiritually. I mean, that was a given. We knew it. But what happened was, in December, we, we went home to the free state. My wife and, my wife and I, Tim and I, are both from the free state. We went home. And as we arrived home, we prayed beforehand because we knew that there were things waiting for us on that side. And according to my culture, if a child is born, there are certain ceremonies that need to take place. There are certain things that need to be slaughtered. There's blood that needs to flow. And this child needs to be welcomed to the ancestors. My mother has died a few years ago. So, so this child, my son, now needs to be welcomed uh, by my mother who is not no more. Uh, and, and that's how our culture operates. So we found ourselves in a place in December where we not just, uh, uh, not just uh, in a spiritual sense, but physically, literally our eyes were on our boy everywhere. We didn't allow him to get out of our side because we knew that there's something that my family wants to do on this child's life. And we vowed and said, God, we will do everything we can to protect this child because we believe that it is your son and we believe that you have a plan over his life. So what's, what, what ended up happening is that my family was, in Afrikaans, they say, recent quad. <laughs> so my family was fuming because... I'm touching on history here. I'm touching on things that has happened way before I was born. I'm touching on things here that my elders would say it's way beneath me or way beyond me. I'm touching on things here that, that people have formed the fabric of their lives in this thing. It's like I'm in my culture and my culture is in me. I am my culture, my culture is me. So as we, as we, as we were doing this and, and trying to protect ourselves, my family was fuming. So much so that even in February, I still needed to have conversations with my family and say, we vow to God that we will not expose this child to anything other than Christ. Because we know that what we're doing right now is something that's going to echo into eternity. So I would rather right now submit to the authority of Christ than one day stand before Christ who is seated on his throne of judgment and have to give an answer to why I allowed the authority of men to trump the authority of Christ. And I think tonight, maybe you're here and, and, and you'd have no, you have no clue about what I just said about culture and all of those things. You know, there's maybe nothing of that that you can relate to. But I want to say, if we right now just take a few moment, moments to pause and just think in our own culture or in this world, the way we make decisions, the way we go about our lives, the way we live out Christianity, would you say that Christ is the one that is seated on a throne? That he's the one that holds all authority? Or would you say that I'm finding myself in a space where there's other people that actually holds authority over my life? There's other things actually that holds authority over my life. I hope that's not because of my bad preaching, eh? <laughs> so with this, I, I really want to say that, please don't hear me right. I'm not saying that we shouldn't obey our parents. And I, I love, you know, the scripture calls us in Ephesians 6 to honor our parents. I'm not saying let's not honor 
traffic rules or anything like that. But I want to say, because here's the thing, you can't, you know, when a, when a traffic cop stops, you can't say, hey, Godfrey said I'm a, I, I, I can only answer to Jesus, so I'm not going to pay this ticket. You, you, can't, you can't do that, eh? You can't do that. But, but, but I want to say, you know, let, let's look at our lives. Where are those areas where Christ doesn't hold authority anymore? Where maybe you hold the authority of your own life. Maybe you have sat on your own throne of your life. Or maybe you've put other people, maybe your boyfriend has taken that space. Maybe your girlfriend has taken that space. Maybe possessions have taken that space. Maybe your work has taken that space. Maybe studies has taken that space. I want to say God just wants to come tonight and he wants us to lift our eyes to see the person of Jesus and to make sure that our authority is placed in him and in him alone. And then lastly, the third thing that I want to focus on is a covenant with Christ versus a covenant with the world. A covenant with Christ versus a covenant with the world. And in Colossians 2 verse 11 to 14, it reads as follows. It says, In him you are also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self ruled by the flesh was put off when you were circumcised by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your sins and in this uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. Can someone say amen? amen. How beautiful is that? God made you alive with Christ with Christ. And then he continues and says, he forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That Christ came and the, the punishment that you and I were supposed to take, that Christ took upon himself. And I want to say, when Christ died on the cross, He didn't just die so that we may know that He died for us or so that we may just be in a relationship with Him. But He died to actually make way for us to enter into a covenant, a relationship with Him, an agreement, a solemn, holy agreement and attachedness with Him. So it's not just a relationship. So we need to pledge our allegiance, in a sense, to Christ and to Christ alone. So we see that in the book of Genesis 17, that for the first time, I read something about the circumcision there, and you might be sitting and thinking, what is, you know, circumcision has to do with me? But, but, but here, what it symbolizes in, in Genesis 17, God spoke to Abraham and said, every male child needs to be circumcised in Israel, and that would be a symbol, actually, that they are my people, and I'm their God. So in a sense, when Christ also died, we entered not into the old covenant, but we entered into a new covenant, a new relationship with him where he died and his blood flowed. And because of that, he welcomed us and invited us into this incredible just covenant that is filled with life. But we see just like this church here is sometimes we attach ourselves to the world. Sometimes we forget that the, world, the word says that enmity or friendship with the world is actually enmity with God. I mean, how scary is that, that, that a friend of the world is an enemy of God? Those are quite strong words. 
And I, again, had to look at my own life and said, where am I making covenants? Where am I making agreements with the world? Where am I living in such a way that it's clear that the world on this one has me and that Christ doesn't? So although we were not physically circumcised, you and I, as I said, that Christ, when he came through his death, we actually went into this circumcision thing as well. He circumcised our hearts, and in that, he welcomed us into a new covenant. So according to the scriptures, this is what Paul says to the church in Galatians. Galatians 2 verse 20 says, for I have been crucified with Christ. Paul says, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who died for me and who gave himself for me. The life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who died for me and who gave himself for me. So there is a weighty covenant that you and I are in. And we can't take this covenant and just use it as something cheap and, in a sense, attach, attach ourselves to some, something else. I can't tomorrow morning wake up and say to, to me, you know what, um, I don't feel like I like you this morning. So what I think I'm going to do is I'm going to go to the streets and I'm going to go pick myself someone else. I'm going to go to the court and I'm going to get married. It, it doesn't work like that. I'm in a covenant with my wife. I don't, I don't get to decide how I want to do marriage because both of us in a covenant with God is He dictates what happens with our marriage. He dictates how we live our lives. He dictates what happens between the two of us. And in the same sense, we are in a covenant with God and if there's one who actually determines the conditions, it's Him and not us. So we need, in a sense, to loosen ourselves from the grip of this world and realize the deep work that Christ has done in order for you and I to be transformed from darkness into His marvelous light. I want to end off with uh, just a personal story again. Uh, when I was about 16, so I grew up without my father, and I think I've shared it before, uh, so when I was a few months old, my, my father left. So I grew up not knowing who he was. I'd never a relationship with him. He's made appearances three times in my life, and he's went MIA again. Um, and it's something that I constantly have to like deal with, and something that I constantly have to open up my heart and say, "Okay, God, you've forgiven me. Uh, you 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 have actually many many times have forgiven me. So so I need to do likewise. I need to continually just open my heart for this guy. But you know, when when my father left, I remember when I was 16 years old. Um, there is an uncle that arrived at our house. And this guy, I've never met him in my life. I didn't know who he was. And he came and he said, hey, I am one of your uncles. And I was sent by the family. And according to us, according to the family, how we do our things and our rituals and our culture is when our boys are in teenage years, so anything from the ages of 13 until 18, we actually take them to initiation school where they are transitioned from being boys to being men. And then he said, we came here and we want to fetch you and we want to take you to the initiation school with the whole lot of other cousins that I haven't met in my life. And uh, when I heard this thing, I, I was a bit shaky because I was only saved for a few months old at that time. So I, I, I knew that, that there's something here. There's a choice that, that I'm going to have to make. And I remember my mother saying, you know what, I'm not going to I'm not going to, uh, and I'm not, I don't know why, why she did this. She said, I'm not going to make a decision for my son. What I'm going to do is I'm going to allow for him to speak for himself. 
So whatever decision he makes is the decision that I will support. So then she turned to me, and then she said, okay, Godfrey, now it's your, it's your turn. Do you want to go to this initiation school with the rest of your family and your cousins and all of that? And for a split second, it felt like the revelation of God just settled on my head. And I felt the Holy Spirit just saying, would you just in a, in a short moment analyze the fruits of this initiation school that you are being invited to? And in a sense, different things were going through my mind, which I will not mention now. We're going through my mind, and I thought to myself, the conclusion was, at the end of the day, there is no way that I'm going to go to this thing because I know what's going to happen there. I know what are some of the things that I'm going to have to open my heart for or open my life for. I know some of the agreements that I will have to make within that space. And without thinking too long about it, I turned to this guy and I said, uh, my uncle, which I've never met before, I am... <laughs> I am really, really sorry to disappoint you, but I'm not going to be going to the initiation school. And at that moment, like when I said that this guy was, once again, very, very angry. He's never seen me in his life, but he was angry, angry, angry. He couldn't believe that I had the, 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 um, the guts or the boldness to, to tell him in his face that I'm, going, I'm not going to go with. He left without greeting, and since this day, I've never seen him in my life. But, but here's the thing, I felt like at that moment, God was actually asking me, Godfrey, will you make a covenant with me, or are you going to continue to make a covenant with ancestors, are you going to continue to make a covenant with, you know, all sorts of stuff that I'm not going to mention here, and, and I had to make a choice to say, God, it doesn't matter how difficult it is. It doesn't matter if this feels like I'm never, because at that stage, as a 16-year-old, I actually yearned to have a relationship with my father. I actually yearned to be in a relationship with the rest of his family. I, I grew up not knowing him. Everything in me wanted to be connected with them because I felt like a part of my identity is in that family. And I don't know them, and because I don't know them, I felt like I don't know myself. But here I was, cross saying, would you go against all of your emotions right now? Would you go against all of the things that are going through your mind? And would you, at this stage, submit to my authority? Would you submit to my covenant with you? Would you choose me again and again and again and again? And since those days, there's countless of things that I can mention to you. Battles that we had to fight. So much so that, you know, we, we're still trusting. But there are family members that, that do not speak to us. And that is the cost of following Jesus. Because we said, God, we are in a covenant with you. We are not in a covenant with this world. So we're not going to put our culture above you. We're not going to put any other tradition, any other human wisdom, any other thing about what you say. You have your rightful place. And I want to end up by asking you a question. Is Christ the one from which you draw your knowledge, your wisdom from? Is Christ the one from which you submit authority to, from which you are submitted to? And is Christ the one in whom you are in covenant with? James 4 verse 4 says, You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity 
against God. And he says, therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. I don't know about you. I don't want to find myself at the wrong side of God. I don't want to find myself there. I honestly don't. I don't want to right now not make the right decisions to make him supreme, to make him above all things, to make him be the one that sits on the throne of my life and have to one day stay him in the face and have to account for my sins. So I'm going to ask, can we just for a moment just close our eyes? So I know that what I said tonight is quite a mouthful, and I'm sorry for the moments where I spoke fast and got excited and all of those things, but I really pray that even just uh, through these verses that the Spirit of God has spoken into your heart. And I want to make an altar call for two people tonight with all eyes closed. Is the first altar call, I want to I speak to the people that are sitting here tonight and saying, I know that I know that I know that I haven't submitted my life fully to Christ. I know that there's many areas or some areas of my life where I still hold to the wisdom of this world, where I still hold to the authority of this world, and in some areas where I still, I'm still in a covenant, in a relationship with agreement with this world. I want to say whatever it is right now, I'm, I'm going to give a few moments for the Holy Spirit just to come and to highlight whatever He wants to highlight. I don't want to rush this. I'm going to ask that the Holy Spirit will highlight whatever He wants to highlight with what I've said tonight. And I'm going to ask, would you be so brave that if it is you sitting right now saying, I just need a bit of prayer or a bit of motivation to face these things because I know these things are not easy. Especially when it comes to family members and so forth or uh, things that have eternal repercussions. I know that it's not easy. But I want to say there's someone tonight that's saying, Godfrey, can you please just pray with me because I'm battling with stuff that has to do with what you say. Would you just, just silently just slip your hand up where you are? Thank you for those hands. Just going to pause for a moment. Is Christ the one who holds all authority? So once again, we'll ask, if that is you, just, just slip your hand up. We're not going to embarrass you. We're not going to ask you to come to the front or anything like that. Just want to pray for you. So Father, we just want to come before you right now. And we Lord, just once again want to submit our lives, our whole lives before you. God, we want to say that we are yours, and as the Scriptures teaches us that, Lord, you have died for us in order for us to live the life, Lord God, that you want us to live. So I pray tonight in the name of Jesus, Father, if there's any place or any places tonight, Father, where we're still holding on to the wisdom of this world, the authority of this world, or even in covenant, an agreement, a relationship with this world, I pray, would you come and break those things right now in the mighty name of Jesus. God, I pray by your spirit as your word says that for, for freedom you've come to save us. Lord, I pray, Father, as we just read right now in the scriptures that salvation starts with Christ and it's sustained by Christ. 
that it's actually nothing that we can do, God, just to submit ourselves to him. I pray right now, would you see those hands? Would you see those hearts that are crying out to you and say, Lord, would you come and take your rightful place? I pray, Father, would you come and increase boldness? I pray, would you increase courage? I pray, would you increase wisdom upon wisdom? Lord, I pray, Father, as Isaiah 11 verse 2 says, may the Spirit of the Lord rest upon them, the Spirit of wisdom, of understanding, of counsel, of might, of knowledge, and the fear of the Lord. I pray that the fear of the Lord will settle upon all of our hearts, that we'll see you, Father, for who you are. That you are the one who holds all authority. Lord, the scriptures teaches us that by, by, by you all things were created. And for you all things and through you all things were created. So you are the one who holds all authority tonight, God. So we just want to come once again and we want to submit ourselves to your authority. Lord, would you please align our hearts right now. Would you please align every and any area. That, that's out of line. That's out of alignment with you. Bring us back, Father, in the name of Jesus. And as we continue to just close our eyes, I want to just uh, speak to a large group of people that if maybe there's someone who's sitting here and you're saying, God, it's all good. I hear all of these things that you're saying right now, but I don't even have a relationship with Christ. And I don't even know where to begin and I'm even maybe trapped in so many other things that I don't even believe, you know, that, that, that salvation can come to me. And I want to say the scripture says that salvation is near us today. It's closer to us today than it will actually ever be. So God is knocking at your heart tonight. And he says, if you tonight will just take time to open your heart, allow him into your life, he will come in, have a relationship with you, and he'll actually sit on a table and eat with you and feast with you. So is there anyone in this place that says, I do not have a relationship with Christ and I would love to make things right with him tonight. Would you just slightly, while all the eyes are closed, would you just slip your hand up? Thank you for that hand. Just gonna ask, just, just keep it up just for a while so that we can just make sure that someone just prays with you. Just going to ask again, is there someone tonight who you know that you know that you know, or even maybe you, you, you had a relationship with, God, with Christ and, and you fell away at some stage. Maybe, maybe you're saying, tonight I want to make things right again. Tonight I can feel that, that Christ is actually inviting me again into a relationship with Him. Would you also just slip your hand up? We don't want to miss anyone tonight. Thank you for that hand. Thank you for that hand. So for those who've, who've raised, who've raised their, their hands, I'm just going to ask someone who's going to come to you now. Would you just raise your hands again? Someone will come to you now and will just come and pray with you and just take your number and just make sure uh, what is it that just happened with you right now. I want to say that this is the most incredible and the most important decision that you will ever make in your life and you will never, ever, ever regret it. So can we maybe just take, before I pray, can we take a couple of moments just to say thank you to Jesus? Just for those people, can we just, just clap our hands or whatever it is? Yeah. 
So let us, let us pray together. So Father, we just want to thank you tonight, God, that as your word says that you are the one who moves us, Lord God, uh, from being a place of being dead, Lord God, in our trespasses, that you move us to a place of life. God, where we were blind, Lord God, that you remove the scales from our eyes for, for us to be a people that sees you and sees you right now. Thank you, Father, for just those people that responded right now to salvation, God. I thank you, Jesus, that you are the one who brings salvation. I thank you that you came and you died a death that we were supposed to die, that you took the punishment of our sins that we were supposed to take. And you took it upon yourself in order for us to be in a relationship with you, Father. And right now, we want to rejoice with all of heaven, God. Right now, we want to celebrate with all of heaven right now, God, for, for the people that raise their hands that are saying, God, we want to come to you right now. We want to give our, our lives fully to you, God. We, we stand in agreement with them, Father. We support them, Lord, and we pray, Father, would you just, in a sense, just come and blow just your wind and your life in their lives, God, that their lives will never, ever be the same. Thank you that your word says that if any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. So we welcome the new right now in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And everyone said, amen, amen and amen.